Hi everyone, this is BJ from the Mining for Mayhem podcast and I just want to let you know that we currently have our own merchandise store out now at bonfire.com forward slash mining for mayhem hyphen 2020 forward slash. All the proceeds are going to the St. Vincent de Paul Foundation to raise money for the Australian Wildlife Foundation. So stay tuned because here's your episode of Mining for Mayhem. You're listening to the Mining for Mayhem podcast, and you can find me, the phenomenal one, AJ, over at Backseat Bookers. Too sweet. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, Mining for Mayhem. And what a big weekend we've had. We've had the Super Showdown in Saudi Arabia. We've had SmackDown. But today we are focusing on the revolutionary pay-per-view, AEW's Revolution. And what a pay-per-view it was. But I'm not going to discuss it by myself. I need help doing this. I need someone that was there in person. And so today... I have Justin Juice Wallace. <laughs> what a happy day! <laughs> Justin, how are you, bud? Good. How you doing, man? I'm very well. So you're from Juice Pro Wrestling, and you're also in a band you were saying in the pre-chat. Yeah, 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 Handsome Prick. Handsome Prick. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Um, yeah, we're uh, grindcore, uh, mixed in with a little bit of you know rock, punk rock, um, like classic rock elements to it, but uh, it's pretty brutal, fast, heavy shit for those of you out there that like that type of stuff. So uh, yeah, check us out. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and uh, Handsome Prick is also on Bandcamp, so yeah, anybody that uses that. we got uh, two albums out and a covers EP where we cover bands like uh, Fear, The Mummies, and Nirvana, and um, yeah, we're working on album three currently. Nice, so how long have you been a pro wrestling fan for? Um, Shit, man, I'm 37, so probably since I was like four or five, something like that. Oh, wow, so quite a lot longer than me. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Though I'm borderline 29 now, and I've been doing it since I was about 11. There you go. So I've been doing it since the start of the Ruthless Aggression, and then I sort of toned out and got back into it mid-2009, about bragging rights, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, the Ruthless... I'm, I've been watching that series on the, the network. It's pretty cool to go back and watch, but that was... Like there were a lot of breakout stars, but to me that was that was kind of like a little dark period as a wrestling fan for me as well, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit of an interesting era that one. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, just well, when you grow up and you 
are so used to having like you know like i had ecw and wcw and you know nwa and stuff uh it was just it was kind of weird hard pill to swallow when there was only one major game in town that was on television Mm. although it was at the same time they did start um tna yeah yeah that was i did start watching i when they were like on uh I think I watched like one or two of the weekly uh, pay-per-views, and then I really started watching when they were on like uh, Fox Sports One, I believe. Um, and then I was hooked on them ever since. And I mean, I've stuck with them through the thick and the thin. And, you know, we all know that story. They've had some ups and downs and some bad booking oh, yeah. and bad years, but uh, I think they've come around. And I really like what they're doing. Um, I actually saw a couple of guys last night. I attended a Black Label Pro. For those of you that don't know what that is, that's an indie fed that's out my way. Uh, dude, they uh, Josh Alexander wrestled in the main event. I saw the Rascals. Uh, Ethan Page was there. They've got so, some yeah. big stars, though. I got into Impact or TNA, whatever people want to call it, I think yeah. about 2014, and I really got into it um, during the Broken Hearty era. Yeah, yeah, that that was really cool. That was kind of like a uh, a lifeline for them, you know, under the final leg of the dixie carter regime and uh, I, I really enjoyed it it was it was great and you know i kind of it's so weird to think about man that was like what four or five years ago now yeah um, it's crazy but it was probably <laughs> one of the most uh, maybe not the best but definitely one of the most memorable yeah it was it was entertaining you know i mean let's face it it's whether you're looking for the um the uh how would you say this like the athleticism the professional wrestling like that if you're looking for like good wrestling or you're looking for like just the you know the sideshow of it all the circus show of it um character wise i mean wrestling is entertainment you know and it, i thought it was it was good it was very very entertaining yeah, and it was back in the day, not just the Hardys were one of the biggest tag teams, but also Sanity, and going over to NXT, sorry, um, Decay in, in NXT, you had Sanity, and I, in my head, I was fan, fantasy booking, what if Sanity and Decay collided, and I'm like, that would be a wicked match. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. They, both of them kind of got split up, I think, uh, a little prematurely, you know? Yeah. The same thing with like when Matt went back to WWE, like coming off this hot ass gimmick, and you know Vince doesn't want to use anything he didn't create, and I'm sure it was a pain in his fucking ass to suck it up and try to when they tried doing the Woken thing. Which there again, that's something that you know, well, we need something we can copyright and make money off of when this guy leaves, and that's uh. That it, that was just a shit show, you know. I didn't. I really, to be honest with you, this may be an unpopular opinion, but I didn't care for any of the shit with like Bray Wyatt. Uh, I think that was kind of like he was already in a flux, you know, on a downward spiral with bad booking. And that, I don't really think Matt Hardy put pairing him with Hardy really did anything. You know, there were two good talents that could have been booked on their own really mm. well, and they just chose not to. And, well, individually, they're both great wrestlers, but as a tag team, there was just so much potential, and they just failed to make something of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what they've been good at now for the last decade plus. You know, it's just oh, yeah. shit in-ring product in storytelling. So, you know, WWE, we were entertainment. 
I mean, they have they have their moments. I will give them that. Which mm-hmm. every once in a while they find a shining gem, but it's not something that lasts. It's something that's essentially a one-hit wonder. Yeah. But one of them that we'll be talking about, which we were discussing in the pre-chat, the random react, and I said I'll explain that to you during the show. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's where I play a segment and you listen to it and then we essentially randomly react to it and discuss on how that impacted the era of wrestling as it is and whatever it comes of it, basically. it's To you, it'll be totally random and the reaction is purely natural because as everyone before you's heard, they've never heard it before up until that particular moment. So... Okay. Instead of doing it halfway through, we're actually going to kick off with the random react this week. And this here is your random react. Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens uh, 
Celebration of Friendship. I remember seeing that. Um, I think it was cool. It was one of the last good things we got in WWE as far as Chris Jericho's tenure. And, uh, yeah, super funny. I mean, Jericho on the mic, just, you know, don't write anything down. Let him go kind of with the flow. And as he's proven with AEW, uh, I mean, it just works. He's entertaining. And uh, that whole segment was entertaining. I remember that picture, that painting. They were both, like, half naked or something, looking like some kind of, like, Greek gods or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed that segment. Um, probably – one of the last, like I said, one of the last good things that uh, Jericho did while he was at WWE. I mean, but, you know, really anything he did was pretty good. So I can't I can't really fault him for anything there. I'd almost go as far to say that Jericho is the epitome of professional wrestling. Yeah, I would say modern. You know, it's taken me a while to really, you know, people call him the GOAT and whatever. And just because he's one of those old school names that. He can still, you know, do the flips and all this stuff. And he's been around the business for a long time. And it's taken me a long time to really kind of say, like, yeah, can you put him up on that mountain as far as, like, a stone cold or a rock? And I, I think with this last title run in AEW, I mean, that kind of maybe solidifies that, you know? Yeah. Um, he, I, It was just, it was super entertaining, man. And that's why, you know, a lot of people... I don't think a, a lot of people I wouldn't say were griping that he won it, but you know that's why they put the belt on him. It's because you need a guy like that, to, especially as your first champion, and, and to make all the rounds. You know, I mean, to do yeah. all the fucking entertaining shit, and you know, to go on all the shows. I mean, the guy is a uh, multimedia uh, juggernaut. You know, he's got the web as Jericho. He also does you know metal music, um, if you want to call it that. Uh, and uh, he's just all over the place, man. So I think it was a wise choice. And, yeah, man, Chris Jericho, I, I would definitely put him up there. I mean, he's he's for AEW at least, and I know in WWE, but, I mean, he's proven that, hey, you can put asses in the seats, and that's what it's all about, you know? Exactly. And he's having some of the best matches in the world at the moment, and not just in AEW, but over in Japan as well. Oh, yeah, the Japan shit, dude. When that, when that happened, I mean, I fucking – marked out like crazy when he when he first came in with the Kenny Omega. I mean, that was kind of like the start of, you know, before AEW and all this crossover shit was happening. And I'd been saying, like, on our show and just as a fan for a while that, you know, we have another boom period coming. Um, it may not look like it's as huge as what we had before with, like, in the 80s and 90s, but it's definitely a boom period for wrestling. It's something different. You know, wrestling is kind of like in the mainstream eye uh, more than it has been in a long time. And it's, I think it's more acceptable. Like there's, if that makes sense, like more people are kind of coming out of the closet, like being okay with saying, Hey, I like professional wrestling and not being embarrassed about it. You know, unless they're watching WWE, then they're fucked. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's like, and a lot of people were shitting on Jericho because being champion at 47. And I'm like, I think and, he's like 49. Uh, he's 49. Yeah, you know, something ridiculous. But, but then you look at uh, as old as at, he is, and he's still putting on matches of that caliber. Oh yeah, and he's you know, and I mean he's slowed up a little bit, you know. But uh, I mean he's adapted. He's he's a student of the game, you know. He knows how to put on a great match. I mean, perfect example. Look at the first encounter with Omega in New Japan. 
Yeah, he's the master of the reinvention. Yeah, yeah, the reverend of reinvention or whatever he calls himself. Yeah, yeah, he's he's fucking awesome, man. I, uh, yeah, what can what can you say about Chris Jericho that really hasn't been said already? And uh, you know, like I said, he's I, he's 49, I believe. But you look if you go around major promotions and look at champions, I think the youngest champ right now for any major televised promotion um, is Tessa Blanchard with Impact. She's 24. You had a uh, PCO who well. Our homie PCO, I should say, just dropped the belt, unfortunately, in Ring of Honor, uh, which really sucks because I was really enjoying him as champ. But uh, he dropped it to Roosh. I'm not sure how old Roosh is. I know he's young, so that kind of puts him over. But, I mean, and then Goldberg, who just won the title from The Fiend, you know, in his 50s. You got uh, – how old is Brock? He's got to be getting up in his – he's got to be in his 40s, you know. Yeah, Brock's in his 40s. So, I mean, if you go around and look at all the major champions, it's it's a lot of older people. But, I mean, there's kind of a reason for that, you know? I think yeah, it's... Well, uh, I get why Jericho's champion, Goldberg's... Mm. Yeah, that's a, just a business thing. And here's my thing real quick, because you kind of got me... We'll get off topic here a little bit. Um, I... We on our latest episode, episode 99, uh, which is available on all podcasting platforms, called 99 Ways to Die, like the Megadeth song. Um, it, it, we talked a little bit about that, about the Goldberg thing. Um, when he came back, I was pumped. I thought his original run was super cool. Um, his original comeback run from a couple years ago, and then it, they just watered it down, you know. And the, the Undertaker match, oh, God, we all know what a steaming pile of shit that was. But I wasn't opposed to him coming back and winning a belt, you know, and a lot of people are like, oh, well, Goldberg was never good. And he's even admitted himself. He's like, yeah, I'm still kind of green. You know, I mean, that's just the situation he was put in. But he had this intensity. And I think it's it's I don't know, man, it's just, it's, it's maybe it's a little watered down now. And to have. Man, they should have just called some kind of audible or something in the ring, because if you've watched that Saudi shit, dude, and the way he won. Um, with a half-assed jackhammer. But, you know, people want to bitch about that. Here's my thing, too. Uh, it takes two. It's a dance. Wrestling is a dance, you know? Um, yeah. When he got him up, I mean, it, it kind of looked like maybe Bray sandbagged him a little bit, you know? And Bray's a big boy. Uh, mm. I, I, I haven't heard anybody or seen anybody talk or say that, but I'm going to throw that out there, and people may hate me for it, but uh, fuck them. <laughs> um I, dude, I, I don't. I see business wise where it makes sense, and they want to have Reigns versus Goldberg, like Spear versus Spear, which would have been cool had Goldberg, you know, been a little bit younger and not had, you know, he's he's shown a lot of his greenness, and I'm not maybe not just because of his age, because that's always he's always had limited shit. I mean, but if you go back and watch like old WCW match with him versus DDP at uh was it Halloween Havoc or something? It, it was insane. It was good. Mm. I mean, he can have good matches, but just with his age and, you know, I, I hate to see it because I did enjoy the Goldberg character as a kid. It was like, to me, it was almost like a uh, ultimate warrior deal, you know, like oh, he yeah. arrived um, he was super intense. And uh, I, I loved the Goldberg character when he came into WWE back in 02. And like, yeah. I'm, I'm all for spear versus spear, 
I think it could be quite interesting at Mania. But do you really yeah. need the championship in that match? No, but here's my other rebuttal to that too. Does Bray Wyatt really need the belt? You know, did Jake the Snake really, I know a lot of people always say like, oh, he should have had this belt or the IC belt or whatever. Did he really ever need a title to be super over? No. You know, and like in my opinion on that is if, you know, if you got, if you're building up a guy like The Fiend to be this fucking monster, and I know he really didn't look like it in the in the Goldberg match. Um, oh. But if you're building him up like that and he has the belt, I mean, essentially, storyline goes like he can't ever lose it. Yeah. You know, and, and I, then you're going to have to pair him up. The only way he could lose it would be putting him up against a guy potentially like Brock. Yeah. And the other reason why I'm not as hot on it as everyone else is, is because one, it's a Saudi show. I mean, you sort of come to expect it. They had Undertaker yeah. in that Turwake cop, whatever it was called. You had Shane McMahon win best in the world. Yeah. You had John Cena versus Triple H back in the first um, Greatest Royal Rumble. It's mm. sort of built around the legends. You had Brock's, Brock usually has great matches against little guys. The little guys normally push Brock to his limits, but Brock yeah. squashed Ricochet. Yeah, that it's was... Sort of just come to be expected at Saudi. That was fucking weird, you know. Um, I I didn't expect it, you know. I mean, he's had good matches with, like, Finn Balor and AJ. And here's the thing, too, a lot of people may not want to accept is... And it was hard for me to accept, but Brock is good. He's damn good. I mean, as far as putting people over, just doing the job, and then on the opposite end of that, being the legit beast that he is, you know? Mm. I know people get pissed because he's not always around, but he is, he's an attraction. You oh, know? yeah. That's just like Andre the Giant was, just like Hogan was during the 80s heyday. I mean, Brock is that attraction. He's the, the guy bit- that shows up whenever there's a challenge during a main event show to put asses in seats. Why? To make money. You know, and I know it sucks as a fan, like, to, you don't want to sit there and think about the the business side of the business, but, I mean, if you want to understand shit and not be so pissed off and be a mark for things, I mean, you kind of got to realize oh, yeah. that's what's going on. And the bit that sold me on Brock was the Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah, that was great, man. It's, I, I, it's I a side that. of Brock we haven't seen in years. He went over, he went, what, 30 minutes in the Rumble? Mm-hmm. If not longer? Yeah. We saw serious side. We saw comedy side. We saw like three different Brocks in that rumble. Actually, we yeah. probably saw more Brocks than we saw McFoley's. Yeah. But I saw a Brock that, to me, was having fun, you know? Mm. I think he was enjoying it. And it was good. That was, hey, man, kudos to them. I don't say it very much, but on the booking, I've always wondered how the hell has Brock not been booked like that before in a rumble? Where he just comes in and he and he dominates, you know, like and I loved it, dude. Like he, because I, I remember like when I used to play 2K and I do rumbles, I would always try to do that. Have like pick someone who's badass, and every time someone comes in, you try to beat them down and get them over before the next guy comes in. So it's like you're always doing a one on one, you know? Yeah. And I, I I like how they did that, and eventually it's you know it caught up with them. But I mean, I, I thought that storyline, the way they worked that was. It was great, man. So good oh, on them. Absolutely. And I mean, the last time Brock was in the Rumble was when they had Brock and Goldberg. Goldberg quickly eliminated him. 
And then yeah. it was Goldberg and the Undertaker. Undertaker eliminated Goldberg. And then Undertaker got eliminated, eliminated by Roman Reigns. Yeah. But, yeah. But actually, that's another example of the Saudi shows. Um, you had Triple H and Sean. You had DX versus the Brothers of Destruction. Oh, but then you also had Goldberg versus Taker. Oh, man. That was bad. Was, that was really bad. I was all for that match before it happened. And then I watched mm-hmm. it and I'm just like, oh, please end this. This is... But I respect both of those two so much and it was so hard to watch. Whether it be... that's See, you bring up, and not to cut you off, but you bring up a great point when you're saying you respect them. And it's hard, man. I remember when I was a young kid and like guys shitting on people like Hogan and Savage, you know, in WCW when they were older... But they could still go. You know what I'm saying? Even Hogan. I mean, he's st- in WCW, he stepped up his wrestling and his ground game more than he ever did. And, you know, he was basically John Cena in WWF. You know, he had like three or four moves and a couple of poses, and that was it. Yeah. And when he went Hollywood, I mean, he was, you know, he was doing uh, like submission moves, and it, it was just he was a better wrestler. Um, and same thing with Macho Man. Macho Man never faltered as an in-ring performer until like he went to – TNA, but you know, obviously due to health and all that. But uh, um, these guys, when you say you respect them, and that's how I feel. Like you, you go into it, and it's like, man. And then they put on a stinker, and it's like, it's not that. I mean, obviously you don't like the match because you see what happens. It's just you kind of you you almost feel bad for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, God damn it, man. And like the same thing with that Saudi show when Goldberg beat Bray. I I was at work watching that and. uh it happened, and I was like, oh, here we go. You know, the internet's going to blow up, and it's just crazy. And, and when Goldberg did that botched jackhammer, I, I, I just I feel bad because it's like, damn it, you want these guys to still be able to do that, you know? And to me, it doesn't make sense for them to go out and fucking keep doing it if they can't anymore. But this is the reason why we get these Saudi shows is because they're throwing millions and millions and millions of dollars at the WWE but they're, that Saudi prince or whoever it is running the ship is saying, hey, we want these legends. Like, I've seen, like, their ledger for guys they wanted, like, in the first couple shows. And they were asking for, like, Yokozuna and shit. And there were guys that were, like, dead. You know, this yeah. is, like, what they know. They just, they want these huge names because they can throw money at them, you know. And that's why we had DX versus, you know, the uh, Dead Man Inc. or the Brothers of Destruction, whatever you want to call them. Um, and stuff like that, and Undertaker versus Goldberg, because it's that's the business side, and it may not be good. Like, dude, that DX match was kind of garbage too, and I didn't want to see a bald Shawn Michaels. <laughs> that was weird. It was really weird. He's not a sexy boy no more. <laughs> no, he's a bo- <laughs> I'm just a bald boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so the main reason why we're here is basically to run down what we've just come to witness in AEW's revolution and Mm -hmm. essentially talk about that. And you were live there yourself, so how was the overall feeling of the crowd atmosphere revolution? Well, here's the thing. I was supposed to go, and I ended up not going. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. Uh, So it kind of sucks. You know, shit happens, but, I mean... It is what it is. You know, I was at All Out. Uh, I think the next show they do in Chicago, I'll be there. Um, it was just, 
it was a lot to do. I had a black label, like I said, black label pro early before that. Um, and then I just kind of, my boy who got me the ticket, he was hitting me up and he's kind of like, Hey, well, you know, you sure you're going to be able to do this. And it, it, the drive and stuff really wasn't that bad, but it was more or less, he just, he, you know, I, I think he kind of wanted this, his other buddy to go. So I was like, look, it's no problem, dude. You can sell your ticket because here's my thing. I was at all out and it was cool. And if I can compare that, we had like some, uh, some box seats for that. It was cool. But I'll tell you what, man, it's awesome to be there and you feel that energy. But there's nothing really that compares to a well-presented show like on on your tube, you know, like is I think to me, I, I felt better sitting watching it at home than I did than I probably would have there, you know, because I got to kind of take it all in more. Yeah, well, and the one thing. The two differences is like there's ups and downs for both of them. The one thing the live show doesn't have is the commentary. Mm -hmm. But the one thing being home doesn't have is you don't have that atmosphere. Like you can see it on the TV, but Mm -hmm. um, I went to a WWE live event back in 2010, or it was a SmackDown live event back at the time. And it was Alberto Del Rio's first match in the WWE before he debuted on SmackDown. And I just remember the atmosphere there was so different to watching it on TV, and it was so great to be in. And we're all chanting Aussie, Aussie, Aussie at um, Jack Swagger. And then Swag is just like, USA, USA. And, yeah, it was a great experience. We had a Royal uh, Battle Royale to start off with the Brisbane Cup, which is something they do in Australia all the time. But they do a different one for every state. So New South Wales have the Sydney Cup. Victoria have the Melbourne Cup. And the winner of that Battle Royale goes to the main event to face the champion at the time, which at the time, the champion was Kane. And back when Kane was the world heavyweight champion, the -hmm. winner of the Brisbane Cup was the Big Show. So we got Big Show versus Kane in the main event. Nice. Yeah, it went all right. It was a bit slow and sluggish but i mean for two big men you're not expecting a high flippy young buck sort of match right right i mean i guess really nowadays though it depends on which big men you get because some of those guys out there i mean are just freaks of nature when it comes to athleticism nowadays and that's like the best part of pro wrestling nowadays because you look at some of these guys like all right you know we're fuck we're a guy like brian cage who's short but he's he's juiced to the gill and i'm not insinuating that he's on the on the juice you know like the roids but uh i mean he's jacked and then you go oh, out yeah. and you see some of the cruiserweight fucking moves he's doing and it's like what the hell you know i uh i saw guys like yesterday um live i saw like jake something a huge another guy who's a big boy but man dude can that guy move around dude and it's well there's he, um icy romero AC Romero's another guy. You know, I've seen him live. Uh, I've seen him at MLW and uh, this past fall impacted a thing out in Chicago. It was called All Glory, where it was like Impact was hosting an event that was like featuring the best of all the Midwest uh, indie talent, like in promotions. So, you know, there was a few of our promotions from out here, like Freelance Underground, uh, Freelance Wrestling, uh, Warrior Wrestling, a Black Label Pro. And you had like... Uh, pro wrestling revolver and 
um, Zello Pro up from Wisconsin. And, uh, yeah, and they had a bunch of those guys. And, and a lot of them, well, a few of them have gotten signed now. I mean, Larry D., I saw him wrestle. He just signed to Impact. Uh, A.C. Romero got a contract that night from mm. Impact Wrestling. Yeah. So our first match of the night was from the buy-in, and it was SCU mm. versus the Dark Order. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I kind of thought that match, uh, it wasn't a bad match. I just, here's my thing, man. I'm so tired of like pre-show matches, you know, like at the end of the day, it doesn't seem like really shit to us. Cause you know, we're sitting at home. It's a TV we can turn it off if we want, we want, because we know it's, Hey, this is pre-show and nine times out of 10 WWE has taught you that it's, it's pre-show and it's probably going to suck. Mm. Um, now, I mean, that's not always the case, but, yeah, you know, exactly. if, if you're at the show, you got to sit through it anyways. You know, so why just throw it? I have a just a beef with that, man. Like, throw it on the main card, you know? It's like they're just trying to give us a match while we yeah. wait for the actual show itself. And it's like, exactly what you said, put it on the main card. They, and WWE is another prime example. They had... A couple of years ago at SummerSlam, I think it was, they had the Usos versus the New Day on the pre-show. Two of the yeah. best tag teams in WWE at the time on the pre-show. And going through the Bleacher Report back then, they had the highest grade of the whole show. They were the only yeah. match to get in the A's, and it was on the pre-show. Yep. Um, Actually, this match... 2016. I think it was 2016, because that would have been the year they had that tag team Hell in a Cell. What a match that was. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was insane. Um, it, it, This was a good match. I, uh, I didn't expect anything really to happen. You know, there's this whole stigma about Matt Hardy, and, I mean, he can't do anything until March 3rd anyway. But uh, I was... Uh, I was kind of hoping something or somebody would come out. You know, we didn't really get any huge surprises on this whole pay-per-view, which is kind of weird considering, you know, they just signed Lance Archer. I figured maybe they would toss him out there, but they're probably saving him for Dynamite. Um, there's a couple other, you know, things. I Well, we had Colt Cabana come out now, and I guess he's been confirmed that he's signed with them. Um but getting back to this SCU match, it, it, Dark Order, it was a good match. Um, I think uh, Dark Order came up with the win, right? Yeah, so Dark Order defeated SCU. Yeah. Um, and, that, hey, that's good. And SCU, is, you know, they had the run. They lost the belts. Uh, they, they still shine as a tag team. And, um, you know, what? All the, well, that was where Colt Cabana came out. Uh, yeah, Daniels come out and looking like he was going to be the, uh, the exalted one. Um, which I never thought was going to happen. You know, I mean, they would they would get horrible backlash from that, even though I think it could make sense, you know, with him being like going maybe going back to the fallen angel character. Yeah. Uh, and it, there was a lot of rumor behind it as well, that he was going to be the exalted one taking um, going back to a previous storyline in WWE with him mm-hmm. being the higher power. Right, right, right. Yeah, I remember that. That was, uh, what was that? The, with the, uh, it was Undertaker, it was Undertaker's group, right? Yeah, and the higher power ended up being Mr. McMahon. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. And he, I remember him pulling off the robe and just that 
Cheshire cat shitting in Grinny Head, dude. <laughs> oh, Vinnie Mac! So, where do they go with the Exalted One storyline here? Are they? Do you reckon they're going to drop it and just move on, or do you reckon they're going to keep teasing the Exalted One and that actually have him appear eventually? No, they're going to have him appear. It's by no means is the storyline done. And like I said, it it very well could be Matt Hardy. We've also talked about this in our latest episode. I mean, it's a lot of speculation to be had. Um, I think it'd be awesome if it was Matt Hardy. If not, hey, whatever. I, I, I kind of trust in what's going on in their storytelling and knowing that uh, I know Tony Khan is really taking uh, a hold of like a lot of the storytelling. And like when you, a, a month ago he said, hey, you know, we're going to listen to what the fans want. And people were bitching about the Nightmare Collective, Brandy's group. Next thing you see, they're like disbanded. So they're gone. And it, it's cool to see a company actually listening to people like, hey, what works and what doesn't work. I mean, because at the end of the day, that's how you're going to make some money, you know, give give people what they want. And that's the problem. That's the difference. Why they are the alternative to WWE, because WWE will tell you what you want. AEW is going to ask you what you want, you know, and then try to capitalize on that. Um, So it's it's really hard to speculate. But I like that we have so many options or ideas about that, because that's what's fun about the wrestling programs and like being a fan and stuff. It's like, Oh, it could be this guy. It could be that guy. You don't know. And sometimes I'll actually, a lot of the time that's more fun than being the fucking smart Mark that knows it all, you know, like, let me have some fun with this. That's what, like one thing, like when I go to shows and stuff, like I got to get video, I'll do highlight videos and, you know, got to have content for my show. But at the same time, man, I like kind of hate it because I want, I want to enjoy what I'm doing, you know, I don't want it to feel like, like it's becoming work or, well, I got to sit here with the other 30, 40 people that are only watching through their phones, you know, which it kind of irks me, man. Cause you know, like I said, I play music and stuff too. And you go to like concerts and shit and it's just people on their phones all the time, constantly. And it's like, man, I yeah. guess that's a day, day and age we live in, but you don't have to, you know, put that shit down oh, yeah. kids. <laughs> Well, it's like you watch the TV now. You've still got the signs everywhere throughout the stadium. But compared mm-hmm. to what it was, there's nowhere near as many signs as back in the late 90s. No, no. And that, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good point. Um, I mean, there's definitely more signs, I want to say, in AEW than in WWE, uh, at least from my perspective. So, yeah, I didn't notice that many tonight. The one thing I did notice was those glowing, colorful bands. Yeah. Oh, you didn't like that? I mean, here's the thing. Uh, oh, I, I, I think it was I just something that stood out. It did stand out. Um, and I forgot I was reading about those. I totally forgot. I think the visual presentation was awesome. I love the digital rampway, um, the lasers. That's uh, <laughs> laser beam. That's out your way, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I enjoyed that. And what those basically they're they're those wristbands and they're kind of gaudy looking because it's just a clear wristband but if you notice when everybody was coming out like when jim ross came out and they announced him out before the show started it's doing like red and yellow on those and every different entrance those things would flash a color they're like programmed so in a way i thought i was like that's kind of cool kind of interactive kind of different and so, so when people would, as well yeah i i thought it, i dude i I really liked it, man. I thought it yeah. was cool that they were different colors, you know, 
when oh, I, anybody I, came I, out. I liked it. I just, obviously, unlike you, I didn't look it up. I just didn't know the meaning behind it. I thought it was something to... I couldn't even work out what it was. I thought, oh, is it to do with the Mardi Gras or something? <laughs> no, they don't. They don't give no fucks about Mardi Gras in Chicago. All right, so what would you grade this first match between SCU and the Dark Order? Um, I give it, I give it a strong B. I think it was yeah. a good match. I thought it was a good. I thought it was an okay match. It was energetic. It wasn't something that stood out it wasn't a steel show show uh, show stealer but it was what it was and it had some good storytelling so i'm going to give it a b minus okay all right so we kick off the show with Mm -hmm. dustin rhodes and jake hager yes that was an interesting match that had some real strong storytelling in there and it's the one thing i've noticed with the pay-per-view is a lot of the matches had some really strong storytelling. And you watch, yes. like, Dustin Rhodes in the ring now, and you can really see how much he's evolved and grown and improved since he's left WWE because he's had so much more freedom now that he's no longer gold dust. Right. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that statement. The only beef I could really say I had with this match was, man, dude, uh, Dustin's face paint. I'm like, what the hell was that? I, maybe I just didn't get if he was trying to reference a character or a pop culture or whatever, but it kind of goes, for me, it's like akin back to when Sting went NWO Wolfpack. It's like, just all that red on your face, man. You look like a fucking tomato. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, I'm just being picky, but yeah. yeah. And even Jake Hager's improved in the ring since like, he's got not got his generic moves, so he's, and they're referencing his MMA, his training with... Um, no, that was John Moxley. My apologies, but mm-hmm. no, it's and it ended up with um referee stoppage because Hager put Rhodes in a choke lock, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. It was uh, I think that's how he choked him out, mm. and that's how he won the match. But. I think the star of that match was Aubrey Edwards. She is the star of almost every match she's in. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I think she's she's really good. She's the best referee, really, that they have. Mm. And she's the one referee that really gets to show character. Yeah. In oh, for any sure. Brand I've seen like obviously you've got Ref Jess in SmackDown who came from NXT, but other than being a female ref, she didn't show much character where. With um, uh, Aubrey Edwards, she gets so much time to be dramatic and be entertaining and show personality. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I really enjoyed the match, and it had some comedy. It had um, it had uh, who else was there? Catalina, who's um, Hager's wife. Rose yeah, made was, out with her. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was a good spot, man. I liked it. It, it was entertaining. All right, so I, what, what are you going to grade the match? Um, You know what? I, I'd probably have to give that I, – I would give that one a B as well. I mean, it was it was, it was was good storytelling, like you said. There, uh, I thought the match itself, it, it was cool. Um, 
Yeah, I'd, I'd probably man, maybe give that one like a B minus. See, I, I thought that there was really strong in-ring work. There was some really good storytelling. So I'm going to give it a B plus. Fair enough. I, I uh, agree with you. There was good storytelling. It was, mm. uh, you know, and like I said, it, it was good to see, you know, Dustin is always awesome as far as uh, just, man, the guy's like 49 years old or 50 years old, whatever he is. And he's just, dude, he's in the best shape of his life, you know, of his career possibly. And to be going at such a high level and doing, you know, executing and dude, he's a wealth of knowledge. I mean, this, this guy, whether, I don't know if people really fully understand the scope of, you know, I mean, who his father was obviously Dusty Rhodes, the America dream, and just how long he's been in the business and the guys he's worked with and what he's absorbed. He is a, such a huge asset to that company and to the young talent that they have. Um, I, I, you know, I thought it was great. It was just, I wasn't invested so much in that match. Uh, personally, it was a good storyline. Um, I'd like to see where it goes from here, considering Dustin did lose. Uh, yeah, but man, storyline wise, like great match. Um, a lot of good spots in that match. And like I said, I did enjoy when, uh, you know, Hager coming out and he's just making out, hardcore with his wife i mean that was funny you know just kind of like some heel shit you know i'm all about that like old school heel heat so uh, yeah yeah and coming from a face as well oh yeah was it the right match to kick off the show with um i you know what i don't have any uh disagreements with that being the first match on the card I mean, it, you know, what do you really pick out of that whole card that goes first? You know, is it Pac, Pac versus uh, Orange Cassidy, which, you know, obviously we'll get to and was a, probably a surprise to a lot of people. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I have no disagreements with that. I would say that was a solid pick, you know, and, and especially you got to understand the city they're in. Like Chicago is, and I've been saying this on our show and everywhere, for a long time, Chicago to me is the hotbed for modern day professional wrestling, like out of the entire world. I mean, oh, when yeah. you go there, there it's the fan base is rabid, you know, and that's that's across the board. I mean, they're very passionate fans with their sports, whether we're talking about like the Sox or the Cubs or, you know, the Bears, the Bulls and the Blackhawks. Um, all this great stuff. So to have that match and like Dustin and all these like knowledgeable wrestling fans, they're going to be cheering for him and uh, they're going to be really invested in it. And, and they were, and it showed. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It, like it was a great match to kick off with. And I mean, if you didn't kick off with this match, I would have definitely kicked off with the second match, which was Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara. Oh and yeah. Wow. That's all I can say about this. That's, yeah. You're always going to have an awesome match with these two. Yeah, very good match, man. That uh, Darby is one of those talents that are just like, man, it's it's almost like once in a generation. Like he's he reminds me of like a Jeff Hardy, but um, but he's his own guy. Oh yeah. You know he uh. And he's got, he's got, dude, a lot of people don't know 
and maybe they do. Um, he's got a lot of good talent as far as like he also does like movie. He's he went to like film school and he's like like that little beginning segment, the video packages that he always films that he does those. He produces them. That's not AEW. So that's that's pretty oh, wow. cool. And just his whole gimmick and me being like an old school punk rock guy. I like how he's like, you know, he took his name from uh, Darby Crash and Gigi Allen. Um, he's man. God, that guy, he's just he's so quick, man. And the way he sells is amazing. Uh Sammy Guevara also, dude, that table spot was insane. A it was perfect. Dirty Santon. Like, even outside of the match, the pre match antics that went on, it's just like you couldn't look away. Right. And it's like you didn't know if they were actually going to go ahead with the match. You didn't know if they were going to call it quits. Mm hmm. Yeah, it was cool. And that kind of, it's funny too, because you look at a guy who is a part of the inner circle in Sammy Guevara and how do you start off the match? Much the same way that Jericho did in New Japan against Kenny Omega, you know? Mm. Where he just brutalized him before we even got a bell. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think storyline wise, that's awesome. Because then that tells you, like, if you're really invested in the story, because you know that the character of Darby Allen is, I mean, you pretty much got to put a bullet in his head to put the guy down. You know, he's like yeah. super resilient. And he, he character wise, he kind of enjoys the pain. He's kind of like numb to it. You know what I mean? Did So Darby Allen defeated mm -hmm. Gavar. Was that yeah. the right choice to go with? Yes. I and think so feel about it being a short match um i you know what I, I really didn't care that it was short because there was enough done there that it, it left you like oh shit like this is this was awesome and there there were a lot of like big spots that's like it, it didn't need to go any longer you know yeah and i, I felt mean, like it was just right the spot that ended the match Mm -hmm. explained why it was a short match with um the exposed turnbuckle right and that coffin drop finisher that's just that is awesome and hard to watch at the same time it's like like you watch it and it just makes you cringe because it's so devastatingly brutal that it's just yeah. magic oh yeah and i think every time he does it now i think the first time that people like the world got a taste when he did it against Cody and he missed and he hit, you know, the, uh, the outside of the ring. And that was just so brutal. I think a lot of people, I know for me personally, it's every time he goes and does it, like, I just, I see that. And it's like, Oh fuck, man. Like it's, it's a very, uh, dude, it's a very death defying move. And, you know, it takes a lot of, a lot of risk, you know, as Jim Ross would say, High risk, high reward. Um, dude, it's it's an amazing finisher. I like it. I like everything about it. I like the name of it. Um, the spectacle of it is awesome. So, yeah. I'm all on board. So, what grade are you going to give this match? I'll give it an A, for sure. Yeah, I'm with you there. It does, it's a well-deserved A. Mm -hmm. It was an almost perfect match. Yeah, agreed. It was a good day. <laughs> <laughs> the next match 
is what's been talked about as the match of the night, the show stealer. Mm-hmm. And it was for the tag team titles. It was Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks. Oh, man. Well, you want to talk about storytelling, and that's what AEW has been able to do so well, especially in 2020. Um, I mean, dude, they've just, since the first Dynamite of the year, they've, and with, like I said, with Tony Khan being more in control of some of these storylines, and I know the Hangman storyline is one that he's personally headed up. Holy shit, dude. Like, it's like You've got the best tag team in the world. Versus Who the still best can't in, get the yeah and, and the best not in the, the world I'm, and the right. best jobber in the world right and it, it's weird but the the storyline also there is the best you're damn right the best tag team in the world dude the young bucks um who are a huge part of you know this I personally believe this boom in wrestling um but they st- they can't get the titles you know there's 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 that story all these little sub stories that come out of all these interactions and that's that's going to be one of them, you know, like going forward is like, man, dude, the like best tag team in the world. They just they can't have the tag belts, what, <laughs> you know, they just can't seem to to get it. And that's it's going to be interesting to see where they go from there. But as far as the match goes and then you got Kenny Omega, who maybe people forget that. I mean, singles or tag, it doesn't matter. But, you know, like the Golden Lovers in New Japan. Mm. I mean, come on. Like that, as far as tag team wrestling goes, Kenny knows what's up, and uh, everything was so well executed. That match was like, you know, you held with bated breath like the whole time, like, oh shit, he's gonna kick out of this, and wow, dude. And in, in a lot of people's minds, I know it was going through my mind, like, what's gonna happen with Hangman Page? You know, you know, there's like kind of like this dissension there, and uh. <sighs> Man, I, it's and they didn't really execute on anything. It was super cool after the match. They, man, this is just great fucking storytelling. They, they, you thought? Tell me, you didn't think that Hangman was gonna take out Kenny? You know? I'm glad he didn't because I'm enjoying it so much that I want them to make this last as long as possible without obviously making it overstay its welcome. Right, right. And, and and I think they will. And that's we will get that payoff at some point. You know, I thought it was great that they, he kind of it was kind of like a hint or whatever you want to call it. But I dude, I thought he was going to give that. What's his move? The buckshot or whatever. It yeah. totally looked like he was setting up and they even like Shivani and them even kind of hinted like, oh, what's going on here? And then nothing happened. And then he's you know, they're walking off. He's kind of grinning like. It's, it's just it's so cool because once again where are they going to go with it you know that's what you need that's what draws you in every week you know do you see hangman on the same level as omega uh, man that's a fucking tough question um yes and no um to me man kenny kenny is one of he's probably one of if not the best wrestlers in the world right now and has been for like the last several years and i know you know maybe people are not he's finally got a belt in AEW, but uh maybe people aren't as happy that like he wasn't being pushed the right way or how they thought he should have been pushed considering the run he came off of in new japan but uh i mean hey man patience is a virtue and i i think what they've done with him like thus far has been it's been awesome um 
but getting back to your question, I mean, that that's super tough. Hangman is really, really good, dude. He has really came into his own as of late. And you, you watch some of the shit he's doing. I mean, uh, you look at Nick Jackson. I love when he gets in those spurts and just does all those, you know, crazy moves, like all in tandem at once. And it's so, like, fast. I mean, Page is very well capable, as we've seen last night, to have little spurts like that. And he does, like, these reverse moonsaults and stuff. Like, uh, I wouldn't put him on par with Kenny, but I'd say, I mean, he's getting up there. I mean, the, the boy could work his ass off. And he's, dude, he's doing a great job selling this fucking story. So here's, here's how I say it. Omega, like we've both said, is one of the best in the world. I've never mm-hmm. been a huge fan of him, but mm-hmm. I'm slowly... Omega's slowly growing on me. Mm-hmm. And Hank, even though I'm not a huge fan of him, I still see as, see him as someone that could possibly, possibly be in the main event picture with the main title. Hangman, to me, is a mid-carder. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, like, the Young Bucks, <laughs> I thought the interview was cool on Dynamite, too, when they were like, uh, you know, you were a jobber when we brought you in the Bullet Club. Um, so, I, yeah, mid-carder, I, I could, yeah, I mean, I agree, but I kind of disagree at the same time. I, He's young, man. I, I think... Keep keep them in the right track uh, with the right programs and and let's see you know like that crowd was rabid once again Chicago fans you know they were all about that cowboy shit and uh, it was weird to see the Bucks were getting booed you know they essentially were the heels yeah. in that match which that was, was kind of surprising I, I figured it would be a little even keel but it wasn't it's like everyone's behind a Hangman and they feel for him being the outsider of the group right. It, it's once again, man, great storytelling. You know, this is what we all deserve as professional wrestling fans and aficionados, if you will, um, is great storytelling. And man, they're doing a fucking killer. It's one of their best stories going right now. You know, it's oh, the yeah. whole hangman page thing. Um, I think I, the, I, the fact that ahead. the bots are getting as booed as they are shows mm-hmm. how well the storytelling is being done. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, man, and, and going back to, you know, Hangman, uh, like I saw him fight for the title, at, you know, the initial match when at All Out, I was there for that, and him going against Jericho. And I not once did I really believe that uh, Hangman was going to win the belt because you needed someone like Jericho to be your first champion. Like we discussed earlier, to make the rounds, to do all the media someone that's kind of been there before. Um, I do see in the future Hangman kind of going the distance and maybe he's getting a title shot. But as of right now, you know, I I don't know. I, I kind of think he is, he's just firing on all cylinders, man. And it's, it's, it's really cool to watch. And uh, it's just going to be interesting to see where it goes. And yeah, like I said, the Bucks, man, that Jesus Christ, uh, that was a hell of a match. That's really all I can say. That was just one hell of a match, and I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, it went a little over 30 minutes, too, you know? Yeah. What grade are you going to give it? Oh, I'll give it an A for sure. Yeah, I'm going to, even though it's probably going to be the highest grade I'm going to give tonight, it mm-hmm. wasn't my favorite match of the night. 
but I'm going to give okay. it an A+. Plus. You know what? I, I retract my statement, and I'm going to go with you. I, I will totally give that match an A+. Plus. The next match was the first women's match of the night. Mm-hmm. It was Chris Statlander versus Nyla Rose. Mm-hmm. It w- and once again, there's some really good storytelling in there. Yeah. And um, I loved how in the pre-interviews that Nyla was saying how good that Chris is, that she hasn't overlooked Chris, that she's been paying attention. Yeah, that's good because she's not, you know, I mean, they're building her up as this beast and uh, she's like, I eat bitches. <laughs> when I get hungry, I eat bitches. Uh, I, it is good that you, you have someone you're building up like that still acknowledge and not bury the other talent because Statlander is awesome as well. I mean, she she wrestles a lot around here. I think right now she's the AAW women's champion. Um, man, dude, it's uh, it was a decent match, uh, you know, for all the haters and detractors or whatever, you know, with the whole Nyla Rose thing. Because I know there's a few people out there. Um, oh, yeah. If you, if you, whatever, you know, if you can get past that, I mean, she's not bad. You know, you put her in the ring with someone like Statlander, they can have a good match. Now, with the whole Rio thing, I was like, Ugh, there's kind of moments where it's like, man, like, you think she's really going to hurt this girl because Rio's so small, dude. Um, Which is probably why they made the belt so small. Probably. And you know what? And I'm glad, I th- to be honest with you, I think Rio had the belt a little too long, you know? She didn't I mean, do anything with it. No. She didn't really do anything with it. And here's the thing. I am not necessarily much invested in AEW's women's division at the mm-hmm. moment. Not to say I don't like it, because there are some talented, talented women in it, but it's just they kind of got off to the wrong on the wrong foot, you know, I mean, putting yeah. the bell on Rio and having her have it for so long. And then we I'm haven't not, really, I'm not invested in the division, but I am right. invested in Britt Baker. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've met Britt a few times. Um, and the right thing to do on that was to turn her heel because yeah. as much as people love her, like she is still got a lot of, like work to do, I would say in ring. And I've seen her live a few times. Um, she needed to go heel to kind of like get her promo game up, which, you know, every, I think she's been doing that and her ribbon on Shivani has been great. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think like a heel way was the way for her to go because it, as a face man, it just, to me, it also wasn't working. And uh, it's not like I, dude, I think the best women's division right now is in impact wrestling. Um, AEW just needs more of that. Like, man, if they had like a Tessa Blanchard or something, it would be off, off the charts. But, uh, yeah, dude, as far as Britt Baker going heel, I mean, it's what needed to be done. Cause it just wasn't working with her as a face. I mean, you, there were a lot of flaws that were in her, that were her work that were accentuated by her being a face. Now, with her being the heel, you can kind of hide some of that and have her learn kind of more, you know? Yeah. All right, so with the Statlander-Nyla um, Rose match, mm-hmm. how were, what did you think of the match itself? Uh, I thought it was okay. You know, it, 
and I hate to say it, I'm not going to say it was like a bathroom break match, but I just myself, I wasn't as invested because I, I, you know, I'd like to see Statlander with the belt, but uh, I mean, I just I kind of figured it wasn't going to happen. I just I, I really couldn't get on board with it. You know, like I said, there's not many of their women that um, in their division that I'm just like super pumped about. Mm. And I don't mean that in like I try. I'm trying not to be negative about that. So people listening to this will be like, oh, well, fuck that guy. And I'm like, no, don't get me wrong. It's just there's nothing really there that's drawn me to it yet, you know? So I, the match, it's – go ahead. So I agree with you with um, Statlander. I'd mm-hmm. love to see you with the belt. I just think it was too early. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And I think – I was with you in I couldn't get into the match. And it's not that the match made it a bathroom break. I think that's the bit where I wanted to go for a bathroom break. I mean, I just hit pause at this point because I, when I watched this match, I watched it on replay. Mm-hmm. But the other bit was, I think the other thing, which is why people weren't as invested in this match as what they should have been, is because of the placing of it. We were all coming off that high from the Young Box versus Hangman and Page match. Right. Yep. Yep. I agree with that. Yeah. And then you got a. You got that, and then you kind of go into something that's just kind of like, eh, you know. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of things that, uh, too, uh, what was it? Um, I think was it Statlander tried to go for, like, a suplex mm. off the top and then kind of botched it. And I'm like, oh, man, like, damn it, you know. <laughs> I don't want to see anybody get hurt, you know. It's like, whatever, but I don't know if. Man, if you can't do it, don't do it. You know, and Statlander's a big girl herself. Like, but man, you know, let's face it, Nyla's like probably, I won't say twice her size. I don't know her weight or anything, but it just, man, it, it was a scary moment, you know. And I'm like, damn it. Like I said, going back to like the Goldberg thing we talked about earlier, it's like you, you hate to see some of these botches, but they happen, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's botches in all of sports. You know, someone misses a layup in basketball or, you know, if you want to go in the NFL last year, my beloved Bears and their fucking double doink kick that eliminated them from the playoffs, you know, so it <laughs> happens. It's just, it's fucking rough to see, man. Yeah. But, right, uh, so yeah. What are you going to grade this match? Ah, uh, I'll give it a C. And maybe it should be higher. Maybe it should be lower. I mean, that's just personally how I feel. I wasn't really, like, fully invested into it. I think had this have been a couple of matches down into the show, then, or after that tag team match, Mm -hmm. it probably would have had more hype and we probably would have been more invested. But we were coming down off that adrenaline rush. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why it was so hard to... But yeah, no, I'm with you there. I'm going to give it a C as well. I'm glad we can agree. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now this next match was my favorite match of the night. This oh, was shit. Cody versus Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Mm. Um, I really like MJF's theme song. You don't? No, I do. I really like oh, it. Oh, yeah, I like it too. I, you know what? I did a check because I've seen him in MLW a couple times. It's it's very, very similar to the uh, MLW theme that he used, so I thought that was pretty cool. I like it. I like this shit. Mm. 
So it was a bit of an interesting match. It had a surprise outcome. Most people would have thought Cody would go over, but in the end, MJF went over. Yeah, which I think was good uh, storytelling wise. I mean, I know it's it's an old school story, dude. They're they're stretching this out. You know, back in the day, I mean, guys would work a year or two programs with each other, and then that kind of got lost in translation as the years went by, and you know storylines were like very like ADHD driven like it's there was either no ending to them uh no payoff or it was just like one and done real quick so I like what they're doing it's very very old school and had Cody gone over then I mean that's it you know and I I think they're wanting to squeeze a little more out of it and get a little more uh emotion out of the fans and stuff um I will say this I will be that guy (laughs) because <laughs> I can't believe as, as dapper as fucking Cody Rhodes is to get that damn neck tattoo that big. And I'm just like, oh, God, like we, me and my girlfriend were watching and we're like, is that real? Like, please don't let that be a real tattoo. And we're waiting for it to rub off during the match and like it didn't. And then going on social media and seeing the guy tattoo his neck and hey, I get it. He's putting his neck on the line for his brand. You know, I mean, that's to me, that's what it kind of represents. But it's just, it's huge, dude. It's fucking huge. Mm. I've got no issues with the tattoo. I think it's more the location of it. That's exactly. That's because it's, it's, it detracts you, man. It, it mm. like, you're just staring at it the whole time. Had it's he like got a, that on his, like, upper shoulder? Then, yeah, maybe. Yeah. The shoulder would have been good. But, like, right there on the neck, I'm like, oof. Man, good thing like you're in the wrestling business and you got a good paying job right now because, damn, dude, it's just it's too big. I think it's the wrong placement, definitely. And the whole match, I kept looking at it, and then you like, you kind of think like, oh man, sometimes it looks like it's like a wound or something. Like, hmm. And I think one of my favorite parts of the match was actually um, when Cody delivered the vertebrae. It's one of the moves that's been banned from the WWE. It's, mm. For those that don't know, it's like a tombstone pile driver, but instead of having your opponent in front of you, you have them hanging off your back with their legs wrapped around your shoulders, and you have their sh- you're like holding onto their shins basically, and you drop to right. your knees, and their head hits the ground. It it was actually. Um, the finishing move in WCW of the Hurricane. Yeah, almost like a like it's like a gory special, you know, mm. like a gory Guerrero. So I mean, that's that's yeah, that's an old school move that I'm I'm very glad to see that's back in the mix because it's dude, it's a devastating looking move when it's executed right, and yeah, I enjoyed that. MJF too getting uh getting some color man and kind of for a majority of the match like in the beginning kind of getting his ass handed to him so it's like I feel like fans kind of got a taste of that you know because that's obviously everybody wants MJF to get his ass kicked by Cody for all the shit he's done yeah and you know you kind of got it they kind of gave it to you but with him going over you know it kind of stop that i feel like people want to see closure to it so i think you know depending on what they do going forward i mean people are still going to be severely invested in this storyline you know 
Did you in the... buy MJF on it on the ground crawling to Cody in tears? Oh no, no. I knew what that was from the get go, dude. That was that was just some good heel shit. Like to me, MJF is one of the best heels in the game, dude. Like it's a lot of old school shit. There's a lot of uh saving face or like keeping kayfabe as far as you know when he's knocking people's hats off or spitting gum at them and when he does interviews he's he's a dick he's in character um i i really appreciate that because they're i mean shit we even got the undertaker now who's got like instagram and twitter and it's just weird seeing him post shit because it's you mm. went through so many years of him being in character you know um yeah, I, I I think that was great. I also like uh, I'm really enjoying Arn Anderson in that coaching role, you know, like and they are kind of presenting it in the sports fashion where he's got like that card out there. And, you know, when they did the thing where they lured Wardlow in and uh, I liked how they like the Shivani and them are pointing out that, oh, you know, that was a good, good call, good game plan. Uh, it had a cool sports like feel, man. I, I enjoy that. What are you going to grade this match? Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll give this match an A. I liked it. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm going to give it an A as well. I really enjoyed that match. Yeah. Which comes up to my second favorite match of the night. And <laughs> this was the surprising one that caught me off guard. I knew it would be more entertaining. I knew it would be an entertaining match. Mm-hmm but it was entertaining for a totally different reason. I thought it'd be comic relief and entertaining, not holy shit entertaining. (laughs) This had me sitting up on the edge of my seat, cheering for orange Cassidy to beat pack. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah, man. He's one of those. uh, I love it because I've seen the dude wrestle before and I know he can go. Um, and people just shit on him because of his gimmick, man. Uh, hey, dude, it's, it's a gimmick. You know, whatever. Uh, and he proved. He proved what he can do. I mean, he can wrestle, dude. He can, he can do some shit in there. And, you know, good on him. I, I thought he was great. I, I really, really enjoyed that match, too. And, you know, the crowd was so behind him. And I think and- uh, Pac did a great job of working with him. I've never seen him wrestle like that before, but I'm a huge fan of the gimmick ever since I came across him. And I'm like, and the fact that he's like MJF, he just, when he's not in the ring or on TV, he keeps in character. Like you saw the Chris Van Vliet interview with him. Chris Van Vliet has some of the best interviews in the world with some of the best wrestlers. Comes Mm -hmm. to Orange Cassidy for for an interview and we just get the half a thumb and that's it. Interview (laughs) one. It's great, man. I like uh, what was on Dynamite when they were uh, was the LA Pride and uh, where are they Pride and Proud and Powerful. I, was, I still call them LAX, but uh, when they oh. were having a backstage fight and they like open up the bathroom door and Orange is just standing there. <laughs> I thought you were about to call them Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> but it's like I almost thought this was going to be a squash match and over in five minutes. I wasn't expecting expecting Cassidy not only to fly but to mm. move so quickly yeah he's super quick man he's pretty fluid too I love that uh that DDT that he does man it's just that spinning DDT it was amazing dude uh I, I I'm glad that they got to show this and you know the internet now can be like 
You know, you can shut people like Jim Cornette the hell up because, you know, he's oh, guys like Orange Cassidy or what's the matter with the business nowadays. OK, listen to the crowd. Watch what he did last night with a talent like Pac, who is also, I, I believe, like in ring, man, one of the best in the world. Oh, yeah. Promo wise, too, man. He's just he's on fire. I I thought it was great. And going into it, I thought it was a little weird. I'm like, man, they're this is going to be a real match like on their pay-per-view like this is their first pay-per-view of 2020 it's a big show and it's like pack versus orange cassidy and the placement of it it was way down on the card i'm like okay like all right we'll see what happens and man dude (laughs) it was it was amazing and the crowd was into it the whole time dude I, i really enjoyed it that match to me was a fucking party man oh it was so good it's how do you feel about the ending? Um, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I, I, I don't have really anything bad to say about it, to be honest with you. Did Pac really need the Lucha Bros to beat Orange Cassidy? Uh, no, but I mean, the, the Lucha Bros to me, I mean, they're probably are the, you know, I don't know if they're going to be setting up a program now with the best friends. So if you look at it that way, they just open up another storyline there. And I don't think it was so, I think it was more of that than it was for Pac to beat him. Um, But it does help because I think had, you know, the best friends stayed there, obviously, you know, they're going to do some heel-esque shit to make sure that orange wins. I, I would think, you know, even though their faces, I mean, because let's face it, I mean, as good as orange Cassie looked like, you don't think he's going to go and get the one, two, three on pack, you know, I didn't at the start. I did by the end. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's true. Um, yeah. It was kind of weird though that, you know, I get the whole, with the Lucha bros coming out, it was kind of weird that they weren't on the card. Um, in some capacity other than just that run-in. Yeah, and I was thinking the same with Sean Spears. Yeah. Yeah, he... It's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. Yeah, He's kind of lost in translation almost at the minute. Well, the only thing I've seen of Sean Spears is he's put out this Instagram or Twitter video or whatever it was with um, Tolly Blanchard, and he's searching for a tag team partner, but he's yeah. not just searching in AEW or searching around the world for the best professional wrestler. He just wants someone over the age of 18 that can contribute to a tag team. He's right. Like, obviously I don't think they're legitimately going to get someone out of the audience that can wrestle, mm-hmm. but that's what they're making it seem like. Right. And who knows who that will be? You know, I mean, I kind of think though, I mean, we really don't need any more tag teams in AEW. That's their strongest division, you know, is their tag team division. I mean, they're absolutely stacked. So going back to the pack and orange Cassidy, mm-hmm. what's he great for? I'll give it an, ah, I would give it an A plus, but like you said, the Lucha Bros thing, albeit I do understand kind of why it happened. Um, I'll just give it an A. That was a great match. Yeah. 
I agree with you there. I understand why it happened. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand it. And for that reason, as much as I'd love to give it an A+, I'm giving it an A. Totally agree. Now, our final match of the night was John Moxley versus Chris Jericho. Los Champions. How good was that match? Oh, dude, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it, it was funny, though, because you did see one. There was one moment where, uh, so, you know, Moxley gets some color, too. And uh, he was bleeding for a while, and it looked like it stopped. And I don't know if you caught this, but he's, like, laying on the mat. And they probably shouldn't have the camera right there at the time. But, like, he kind of flicks his cut. You know, like the old school, kind of like Abdullah the Butcher used to do. It's like flick it, like where they'd have like little uh, shit like taped into their fingers or something to get it to start bleeding. Uh, so I did see that and I was like, God damn it. <laughs> He's being exposed. Um, <laughs> but, uh, dude, I thought it was great, man. It it was cool. It was uh, obviously the end was Here's the thing. I, I was surprised, even though I kind of figured that would be the outcome. Um, so it's going to be crazy to see what goes on with the inner circle going forward. And, you know, obviously Jericho trying to get some sort of rematch. Mm. But, I, man, match-wise, I, I thought it was great. It was super entertaining, man. Both those guys just going at it, dude, going hard in the paint. Um, I mean, that's a main event that you can – really invest in you know it's not like some wwe stick where you're just like you're so hyped for this and then you get it and then it's like oh you know you you feel like this sickness in your gut after watching it like this was it was cool and it was good to see i mean if they were going to put the belt on anybody other than like a kenny omega or whatever um moxley is the guy you know he's the next in line uh I, I really enjoyed it, dude. And the outcome, like I said, although I knew what it was going to be, I, I I was still surprised. What about um Chris Jericho's entrance? <laughs> it was great, dude, with the uh, the gospel choir or whatever. I thought that was pretty awesome. I, here's the thing, though. I am not a – a couple of my homies, uh, Sretton and Bruiser Bodie from my show, they, uh, they always kind of mess with me because they know I don't really like that song. It is catchy, but I am not a Fozzie fan. Um, so it's like they're always singing it and singing it. And, man, and now that the crowd starts singing it, I mean, that is cool. Don't get me wrong. I like that everybody's so invested into that, and it makes for a great atmosphere, uh, super cool. And, and them doing that beginning part, and then it just kicks in into the music, I – I enjoyed it, you know. I don't I do not like that song. I'm gonna be clear on that, but I enjoyed I enjoyed the entrance. Yeah. So interesting fact with the choir. Did you notice the lead singer? Uh, I didn't know who she was. So a couple of months ago, this lady called Meredith Bell put mm-hmm. up a video video of her doing a cappella to Jericho's song with like there was five oh. different videos of her doing acapella on twitter mm-hmm. and jericho commented on it saying how awesome it was so they've actually gone and got a fan who did acapella on twitter jericho's song and actually got us to sing a into revolution how cool is that that's super cool man 
<laughs> I wasn't aware of that. That is a uh, I didn't pretty pick, freaking awesome. I didn't pick up on either. It was um I noticed a couple of people on Twitter pointing it out. I'm like, oh my god, it is too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, it was well done. I mean, she came out. She had soul behind the voice, and uh, it was this pretty powerful shit. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. And they're very good with their fans as well. Like you said, they listen to their fans. But then you've got um one of the people I follow on Twitter who's a massive AEW fan. When they were last week's Dynamite, they actually brought it in the ring for photos with Cody after the shock. Oh, yeah. They do. They always do cool stuff like that. Like after when they go off air, I've seen like they had a kid, a little kid go in there dressed like Orange Cassidy and uh, like do a, a little match or whatever. They're man, you know, Cody throwing out his weight belt like it seems here lately in almost every match. You know, how awesome is that that someone gets to walk home with that? Um, they, they really do, dude. And I know they've kind of gotten a little bit of flack for. I've seen like what culture or cultaholic doing these videos about like his seven things that AEW promised us and haven't delivered on. And it's like, okay, you know, cut the shit, dude. They're, they're not even a year old. Yeah. I mean, and for what they've been able to do, I mean, there's going to be hiccups, you know, it's like, that's when people get like just super over analytical and it's like, they got to figure out what they can do, right. What works, what doesn't work. You know, per, like I said, case in point, the nightmare collective, um, you gotta, you gotta figure it out and then you fine tune the kinks. And like I said, from the beginning of this year to right now, when we're talking, I think they've been firing on all cylinders. And I mean, dude, it's, it's great. I think that they, they are a alternative, but I, you know, I think people get kind of pissed when they say, well, it's, you know, they're saying they're an alternative to WWE yet. They reference them. And it's great. So what that they reference them, you know, it's piss out of them. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It is funny, you know, and it hopefully it forces WWE's hand to be better. You know, only time will tell on that, but I mean, WCW and WWF used to do the same shit Mm. and it it's, it is what it is. I mean, as long as they don't go too overboard doing it and it looks like right now, some kind of interesting coming out of uh, this whole pay-per-view was they're going to be doing another show entitled Blood and Guts. And it looks like it's going to be a War Games match. Yeah, obviously they won't call it a War Games match. They're most likely going to call it the Blood and Guts match. But it's the one thing I've seen on Twitter as well. Oh, that's a WWE copyright match. And then someone else will go, oh, but it's Dusty's match. It's it is. It is. And, and, AW, it's his father's match. Yeah, and I, hey, man. Bring all your horses home to stable, dude. It's uh, if he can get anything that his father did, uh, I mean that's his right, dude. You know, I mean business wise, if you want to look at it like that, if any trademark um expires and they don't capitalize on it, you bet your ass that Cody should be able to go and capitalize and and get that for his company. You know, I loved that they did Bash at the Beach, like it was great. Um. And I, I read reports, this is like going back like six months ago that, um, I'm trying to think of what it was originally called. Uh, War Games had a, another name for it, and Cody was copywriting that um, so they can do this. And I don't, I mean, obviously it wasn't Blood and Guts. I forget what the original War Games match was 
call, but it wasn't like war games. It was, uh, anyways. So it, it's cool to see that him getting his dad's stuff and like, you know, I have no problem with that because that's part of the appeal to me as an old school fan. Um, the nostalgia, you know, and like the attachment to the old school that they have and with a lot of, whether it's, you know, the talent appearing or some of these gimmicks, I, I really enjoy it, man. And I, I'm pumped to see this blood and guts thing. And I like, it. I like they're calling it blood and guts, you know, it's pretty awesome. Cause they're mm. just like, yeah, we are blood and guts. We are pro wrestling. Like Moxley said in his, uh, his promo afterwards, which was weird. Cause there was like this stalemate kind of like a minute or somewhere. I don't know what else to say. He's like, I kind of just go improv, you know, like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. It's, and they were starting to play his music. And he's like, Oh, what the fuck? And yeah. I, just, <laughs> I just thought it was so great. blunt, but yeah, it was yeah. such a good, it was such a good match. Cause as you said earlier, Jericho's obviously slowing down, but he's adapting. Yes. And he's going out to the ring. He's, ring the bell prematurely going and your winner jericho and he's just yeah, doing yeah. all this great stuff to make matches entertaining and he's still pulling off the moves that we all know and love you've got moxley he's just so he's like darby allen in a way yeah you're gonna have to put a bullet through his head just to keep him down yeah i totally agree i love the jericho spot too i love when he takes the camera and he's looking at him, and he's, like, flicking him off. <laughs> it's just, like, little things like that, little nuances, man. It, it makes it that much more enjoyable. You know, it, it feels – it gives you that old-school vibe of, like, man, anything can happen. Where it doesn't feel like that in WWE anymore, you know? Yeah, and were you surprised with the outcome? Uh, yes and no. Like I said, I, I thought – I figured – Mox would go over, but at the same time I was conflicted. I was like, well, is it the right time? Cause you know, the inner circle and everything is going strong, but I kind of thought it was cause I mean, dude, Jericho has been champ for quite a while now. I mean, we're going, uh, if we got, you know, to all out, it would have been a year. Which isn't so, a bad thing. Cause he was still hot as champion. He hadn't yeah. gotten style. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing is we don't know what's going to happen going forward which is a good thing. You know, a lot of wrestling fans don't get that. And a lot of the smart fans, you know, like, you know, I guess I claim to know a lot about wrestling just because I've, I have a passion for it. I've invested in knowing things about production and storylines and all that shit, but I'm not going to sit here and claim to be like, I know every damn thing. Cause I don't. And I'll be honest with you when I don't, and I can just speculate that is the magic and the fun right there and i don't think people get that they just what's fun knowing everything that's going to happen in a wrestling match exactly you want to sit there watch it like a soap drama you don't want to go oh i'm watching this like i've seen this movie 50 times already right i mean that's for once the match already happens and you watch it on the network or youtube or whatever <laughs> exactly what the whole I've watched Jeff Hardy versus The Undertaker God amount of times. And I yeah. still find it entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because it's a classic match, you know. But, like, in the then and now and going forward, I want this um, feeling of uncertainty. Because, like I said earlier, that's what's going to make you tune in 
to AEW Dynamite or AEW Dark or whatever programs they're going to have going forward because I know they're going to add more programming. That's mm. that's what you need. See, I don't watch Dynamite, but I've watched every pay-per-view, and every time I watch a pay-per-view, it makes me want to watch Dynamite because it's like oh, NXT dude. versus Dynamite. And I remember you watch watching... NXT over, over Dynamite? I do, and I tried it the other way around, and I put on Dynamite. And I was watching, I think it was Best Friends versus the Young Box. And the match yeah. was amazing. But all mm-hmm. I could think of throughout the match was what's happening on NXT. And it got too much for me that I ended up putting NXT on. And I was right. watching Leo Rush win the Cruiserweight Championship off Tony Nese. I'm like, I couldn't turn away. I was entertained. Right. Yeah, yeah. How do you, out there, um, how do you watch what is uh, Dynamite on? So I watch Dynamite on my phone because I've got the Fight Network. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Fight. Yep. So we pay something like, I think it's seven bucks a week for the Fight Network. Mm. Well, actually, it's not the Fight Network. It's the AEW Network on Fight or whatever they call it. Right. Yeah, I got the Fight app. And I believe that's everything outside the U.S. other than like BR Live is everything's on Fight. Which is yeah. cool because I mean you get all a lot of stuff there, man. Um, you know, there's MLW, AAA, Impact got stuff on there. There's a lot of people, Ring of Honor. Um, well, so, so it's a cool I, app to have. Yeah, and I've got access to a lot of wrestling, but there's a lot of stuff that we still don't get. Like we've got free to air TV, which we just have to turn the TV on and turn the channel on. You've got mm-hmm. Raw on Thursday night, SmackDown on Friday night. And mm. they're not the whole show. They're, like, compressed down to one and two hours. Right. And then you've got... But we do have the live versions, but they're on pay TV. Yeah. And then we don't get Impact out here unless we want to get that Impact Network. There's obviously your streaming sites, which you can go to. They're a lot harder to watch live. Like I remember I tried it with AEW once. And it was just so laggy, and I'm just like, no. So I, I ended up paying the 30 bucks for the Fight Network. And, it was and, just and that's good, because so dude, Dynamite... Much more, go it was ahead. so much more fluid. Yeah, and and I really, like I said, since the beginning of this year, almost every damn episode of Dynamite, dude, it's it's got like the big fight feel. It's like watching a pay-per-view uh, quality presentation just for their weekly programming. Yeah, like it's 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 awesome, you know. And I I've watched a couple of NXTs too, and they're good. Um, I'm not gonna knock NXT because I've said it many a times. That's the best thing WWE has going for them. Oh, absolutely. And, and what I... NXT is is what I think their main programming should be presented like. You know, it's more. It's absolutely. It's, it's run by Triple H. Who's hey man? He is the game. He's also a student of the game. He's an old school fan, man. He. Much like, you know, Cody and Tony Khan and them, Triple H, I think, gets it. It'll be interesting to see once, you know, Vince either passes or steps down how the ship is ran. But I personally believe the product that NXT puts out is how it should be presented on Raw and SmackDown. And it's like, as you said, like not knocking NXT, I won't knock AEW because I know it's good and I've seen it's good though. And I think the only reason I can't get invested into it and watch it over NXT is because unlike most fans of NXT, yeah. I've been invested in it since day one, since right. 
So Chris you were watching Jericho. it when it was the reality <laughs> show. Since huh? Chris Jericho versus Daniel Bryan, and hell, that was one strong match. Since yeah. The Miz slapped Daniel Bryan, since The Miz called Daniel Bryan a grain internet darling. I've been watching it since day one. Mm-hmm. So well, going, back, going back to the Jericho Moshley match, what are you going to grade it? Uh, Why would I give that? You know, I'll give it an A plus, man. Just everything that I saw in the match, I really enjoyed. Uh, the crowd, uh, the entrances, the the color in the match, and uh, and obviously the outcome is kind of the cherry on top. So yeah, no. I'll give it an A plus. That's fair enough. I'm going to give it an A. I The ending was interesting. I'm still torn on whether I think... It's not that I don't think Moxley should have won it, but it's, the ending, like you said, makes us wonder what's going to happen to the inner circle, and it just doesn't make sense to take it off Jericho. And there's at one point I thought they were going to build Jungle Boy up to take it off Jericho. That's where I thought they were going with it at one point. Right. Not that um, I know what happened with that either. That was sort of just a flat storyline that disappeared. Uh, yeah, it, it was cool. It was uh, it was basically, I see it as the give jung, Jungle Boy the rub, you know. So down the line, I mean, if something could happen, but it, it's, you know, he's kind of stuck in the tag team division. It, it was it was cool for him to get that. I no way expected him to win the belt. But like I said, it was a rub. He got a match with Chris Jericho, and he shined in it. And he he got to I know for a damn fact he learned from it. And he's got now he's got that match under his belt. And the storyline there is very real. You know, as much as we can say real in pro wrestling, it's uh, I mean it's real life with you know being his dad being Luke Perry and passing away, so having to deal with that, and how big of a fan his dad was. You know, and supportive of his son being a pro wrestler and his dad being a huge fan of like Dusty and, you know, going to all these like old matches and stuff back in the day. Like that for me was super cool, you know, that that guy and his family was there and he got to have that and he got to get the rub, you know. So there, there is for me a lot of payoff in that. Yeah, uh, no, I definitely agree with you. It's been quite the interesting chat and it was such a great pay-per-view to watch as well overall how would how would you grade the pay-per-view overall um overall i'll I'll give it an a just a fair regular a no minus no plus um it it kept me invested it was would have run like three hours roughly a little over three hours um and much like with dynamite to me whenever i watch dynamite it's a two-hour program that just seems like it goes by quick and mm. hey, what's the old adage? Time flies when you're having fun. Exactly. That's that's how I felt last night. And that's I, like, you know, I was at yeah. work and I watched that Saudi show, Oof. and I was like, oh god, like when's this gonna end? You know, like this, <laughs> like, and a lot of that. And I've had that with recent WrestleManias. You know, um, I didn't think last year's WrestleMania was too bad. I mean, it was a little better than previous years, but it's too damn long. It's, I get it. It's the biggest spectacle in pro wrestling, but it doesn't have to be all day. You know, there's so much 
when you're sitting there and you're just like, oh, damn it. You know, even if you're in a party setting, like, you know, a lot of people get together and have big parties and drinks and food for WrestleMania and it's good camaraderie. But then you're sitting there and it's like, man, you know, this is fucking boring or this is going too long. I, I did not feel that with this pay-per-view at all. It, it seemed to go by pretty quick. I was invested in, in everything. And like we talked about, um, matches that people may have slept on, like, uh, the, the, uh, orange Cassidy match. Mm. I mean, that was great, dude. Like he, I mean, he was already a star, but that was, that just, I think it elevated him so much more and it kind of put a sock in the mouth of people. They're like, Oh, well, fuck this guy. He can't wrestle. Like, a lot of good stuff coming out of this pay-per-view. A lot of stuff leaving people wondering what's going to happen. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you as well. Because it's like, I'm going to give it an A. It was a mm-hmm. fantastic pay-per-view. A lot better than most pay-per-views you get out of um, WWE, other than maybe the Royal Rumble. Right. And then the only reason why I'm giving it an A and not an A+, plus is... It's not perfect, and I never expected it to be. Nothing ever is, which is right. the less perfect it is, is perfect as, as it needs to be. Because everyone's going to make mistakes. They're human, and as you said, they're not even a year old. They're still learning. Mm-hmm. Or Dynamite's not a year old, but I think AEW officially is now. Mm-hmm. But it's exactly what it needed to be and it was entertaining it's left us with questions and what's going to happen in the future whether it be what's going to happen with the inner circle what's going to happen with the elite what's you know what yeah what pack and cassidy go from here right like where where the lucha bros figure in you know what's going on with cody and mjf still and Mm. uh, all kinds of stuff and that's that's the thing and i just feel like you know you're watching wwe programming unless it is nxt you don't get that you don't really care unless you're just like a huge wwe mark you know and like i said i try to be positive like on our show i you know i really don't spend a lot of time talking about wwe we do because i mean you got to but uh it's just not it's not fun the main roster is not fun and it's it's that's why i'm so glad in this day and age Hey, if you don't want to watch WWE and everybody is entitled to like and watch whatever they want, I'm not the type of guy to sit here and shit on like your opinions. If you like something over another thing, that's why we have variety. And that is the best possible fucking thing that we could have as wrestling fans nowadays, because really for the past 15 years, we didn't really have a lot of that. And with how strong these indie promotions are now, like if you get uh, everybody out there listening that, if you can get it, get the IWTV app, the independent wrestling, uh, TV. That is, you will see so much cool shit on there and like high spots wrestling network. And a lot of these guys were watching AEW and coming up now in impact and ROH. We're all on some of these promotions that still do it. There is so much wrestling nowadays. It's like craft beer, dude. Like just pick what you like and, and go with it, you know? Yeah, I definitely agree with you. So for the, all the Mining for Mayhem fans listening, do you want to tell them where they can find you on social media and what you've got coming up? Um, Yeah, well, we actually are uh, coming up. We got a lot of stuff coming up. Um, I do have some interviews in the works that I, I can't really announce yet, but I do have one thing uh, we're doing out here with a uh, 
brewery called Three Floyds, which is uh, one of the best breweries in the entire world. Uh, they're known for their Dark Lord Day, um, which happens every year where they get like big, you know, they do a lot of work with metal bands um, like Obituary. Uh, they've done work with like Campbell Corpse, Pig Destroyer. Um, so for all you guys there in like brutal music and stuff like that. And they make a killer IPA, dude. I mean, all their beers are great. Um, but I'm a big fan of their Zombie Dust beer. Uh, we're doing something with them on March 3rd to kick off what's called Floyd Mania. And it's basically a week-long celebration of pro wrestling and craft beer. So, like, in their kitchen, they're going to have wrestling-themed food. They're doing, like, five or six, I think, different wrestling-themed beers. And we're going to be doing a live podcast from there. So, even if people, you know, obviously out listening in your neck of the woods that aren't going to be able to attend, um, we will have video up of this. And it's going to be the promoters from Warrior Wrestling and then also Matt Nix from Free Freelance Wrestling in Chicago. So, we got, like, three of the biggest promoters in indie wrestling in the Chicagoland, Northwest Indiana, Midwest area. They're going to be there, and we're going to have a roundtable discussion um, basically about their brands and about WrestleMania, our favorite moments from WrestleMania you know, throughout the years and currently. So I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be up uh, on all podcasting platforms um, and also our YouTube, which is jpdub.com. That's a direct link. Um, we got a zine that's coming out called Juice Pro Wrestling Illustrated, which is going to be really cool. We have a lot of write-ups um, and features on like pro wrestlers that we think you know deserve the attention from the fans, uh, as as well as like some comedic comic strips and stuff because you know we like to keep it funny. But uh, yeah, other than that, um, everybody can find us uh, Juice Pro Wrestling. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. At Juice Pro Wrestling on Twitter, we're at JP Dub Podcast. We have new episodes that drop every Wednesday. Um, whether you listen to your podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, or or YouTube, they're they're there every Wednesday. The YouTube usually drops the following day. Um, yeah, feel free to check us out. You know, we we're very open minded. We like to inform people as well as laugh with people. And we kind of go all over the place, you know, like I said, as far as wrestling and we'll talk metal, um, kind of pop culture stuff, whatever's going on. Uh, if you guys are into that heavy music, like I said, check out my band, Handsome Prick. Uh, we're on Spotify and iTunes and Bandcamp, and we're also on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it. That's where you can find us. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, you said you were you've got your band over doing your stuff over there and you've got that event coming up correct yeah yeah so for my listeners up 53 percent of them come from the united states which is nice. really good and the majority of those fans come from the east coast where you've got i've got fans in new jersey new york um, virginia connecticut so if you're in that area go make the journey and go have a listen live it, if only I could be in Australia. Yeah, but. yeah, man. And you never know, you know. Hey, man, one day the prick might come out there. It's, uh, you know, we're definitely open to bookings as long as it makes sense. Um, yeah. And like I said, we're working on the third album right now. So hopefully sometime by the end of the year we'll have that out. And, uh, you know, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up. And uh, real quick, I want to drop two. We also do another show called the JP Dub Podcast which is kind of like a subsidiary thing um, where, you know, we, we do talk about 
a lot of other stuff on Juice Pro Wrestling, but it is 99.9% of it is wrestling focused. Um, I do like to talk about other things, though. So I kind of started the JP Dub, which is also available on all podcasting platforms and Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that. But uh, just to give you an example, it's more interviews with people in the entertainment industry outside of wrestling. So like our first episode, we had uh, George C. Romero on, which is the son of George A. Romero, you know, famous Night of Living Dead creator, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead. Um, we had him on. Our second guest was John Massari, who did the soundtrack for the 80s cult horror classic uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And then I just interviewed um, Afner from the band Midnight, which they're kind of like a blackened thrash, like a cross between Venom and Motorhead, uh, who just put out a new album on Metal Blade Records. So everybody check that out. Yeah, that sounds absolutely wicked. Um, with Mindful Mayhem, you can go find us on all your local um, places where you can find any podcast pretty much. I think the only place we're not on is iTunes off the top of my head. Like we're on Spotify, we're on Anchor. You can find us in majority of places you find stuff. You can find me on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at AussieLution every Sunday night, which I'll be releasing a bit later on. It's your Sunday night shout out where I go and recommend a podcast. The tagline is I shout, you listen. Basically, I'll shout out someone and then I'll tell you who you need to go listen to and why. And I do that from a different location around Moranbar every week, essentially. Um, in regards to the podcast, I've got my, which I recorded last night with Fowl and El Toro. I've got the Hall of Fame Roundtable, which will get released next week. Um, I've got an interview with the Jonas podcast coming up. We're doing a lockdown preview. I've got okay fabe coming up from the fight network we're going to do an elimination chamber review i've got a new segment coming up which i can't um say too much about that that's going to get released on the 30th of march on the 21st of march i'm actually going to a town near me for our local wrestling promotion the cqwa and the qwa super show and i'm going to get in the ring and do a chris van vliet challenge and get chopped in the chest essentially so that'll nice. be a lot of fun and i'm going to interview a lot of the wrestlers i've messaged them over instagram i don't know who i'm interviewing yet but that's going to be a lot of fun we're going to do probably one podcast maybe two we're going to do a lot of like two three minute video interviews where i'll put them up on youtube um i've got the elite era network coming on next month where i'm doing a mania preview there's a lot coming up so stay tuned for all of that this Friday, I'm getting back into the fantasy booking game where I've set up a tournament of uh, I'll pick a topic, I'll put two wrestlers against each other, and basically whoever vote, you vote for who you want to see win, and they go through the next round. The current thing for this tournament is the best of the independents, or what I'm calling the Bodies. So I've got all the best independent wrestlers around the world, and your job is to vote for who you want to win out of that particular match. And we'll see by the end of this 64 man tournament, who is one of the favorite independent wrestlers in the world. So that'll be quite interesting to see where everyone's at with this. Um, I do want to thank you for coming on. Thanks so much for getting up early. Cause I know it's 
Oh, it's what? <laughs> just about hit 10 a.m.? Which yeah. me- actually is 10 a.m., which means you've been up si- at least two and a half hours for this. Oh, yeah. You would have got, got up at 7.30 for an 8 o'clock start. Correct. That's just insane. <laughs> and, uh, I'm usually up at 6 in the morning pretty much every day uh, for work. So it sucks. I, that's the only reason I get up at that hour of the morning. Thank, thankfully, I've got all closes this week so I can sleep in. And I get the late night, so I'm so grateful for that. But, no, thanks so much for coming on. I hope you had fun. Yeah, yeah, I had a blast, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I, I love getting that network with different people, uh, you know, no matter where they're at in the world. So this was an absolute pleasure for me to do, and uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I love having everyone on from all around the world. And we'll definitely have you back on at some point. That's a guarantee. Hell yeah. All right, um, so we'll have you back on. I'm glad you had fun. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. I hope you all had as much fun as we did, and we will see you next week on Mining for Mayhem. See you guys. That's right. Bye. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Bum, <laughs> <laughs>